Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rollins and Kevin Witham. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. I am so excited you're here today. I'm your co-host, Megan Rawlings. Joined with me, my co-host. Oh, if I jumped the gun there, <laughs> Kevin Witham. Good to be back with you today, Megan. It's so and good to be with you, Kevin. Absolutely, always. And Michael Mack is back. Uh, he is in the house today for our second podcast. So Mike joined us last week, and uh, Mike's, we talked about his uh, ministry with Christian Standard. Today we're going to spend more time talking about all the work he's done with small groups uh, and smallgroups.com. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the program. Good to have you. Thank you very much, Kevin. Mike, as we were kind of closing out last time, uh, we were talking about Christian Standard and some of the resources that it offered and uh, got to thinking that before we got into talk about small groups, you might just share with our listeners, because we're about resourcing folks and letting them uh, make them aware of resources that are available to them. Could you talk just a little bit more about the resources available through Christian Standard? And then Megan will move us into a conversation about small groups. Well, sure. I mean, we've we've been known uh, for years as uh, for our uh, Bible studies, and we still do them. Every week we have a Bible study that includes the study itself, application, and then some discussion questions that you can use in a small group or a Sunday school class. And so those are available on our website every week. And then also we have communion meditations. I mean, sometimes people want to do a communion meditation or they've been asked to do a communion meditation and they're thinking, what do I say? Well, we've got some that are ready-made for you. I mean, they're written so that you, if you wanted to, you could just read them. I don't suggest you you do it that way, but, <laughs> but they're really good. They're creative. Uh, they're all very Bible centered. So we've got those, but we've got all these other resources on our page as well. Like we have a Bible reading plan, read through the Bible in a year. It's available mm. on our website. Mm. We've got a resource, believe it or not, called Talking Politics. And it's a very biblical resource about, you know, how do we talk politics in this day and age? That's, that's a huge thing that we need to be thinking about. Uh, we've got another resource called Grow Your Giving with mobile options. So if that's something that your church is thinking about, how do we, how do we get better at the mobile options of giving? That's there. Uh, we have a quick start guide to social media. Uh, that is awesome. That is really, really good. Mm. And yes. uh, and then we get another, the, the church app. So if your church has been thinking about, well, you know, how do we develop an app that our people can use? We've, mm. got, uh, we've got a little resource here, an ebook that's a, a church app that works for you. And we're adding new resources all the time. Boy, those are great resources. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, And, you know, since you are such a great place for resources, 
I know that your readership for the uh, physical copy is pretty grand. And then your uh, readership and, and traffic on the interwebs is even bigger. And so what if someone wants to be seen? Do you have anything where um, folks can get in front of your audience? Well, absolutely. You can, you can advertise with us. We actually have a spot on our website if this is something that interests you. And you can, um, you can check that out. And uh, you can get uh, advertising in our magazine itself, the print magazine. We also have a digital magazine, by the way. Mm-hmm. We have advertising on our website within articles themselves and in our newsletters. So we put out several newsletters every week. And the people who have advertised with us in the past always come back and say they're getting great results from it. So I, I think it's a a great way to get your message out to people who are serious about their Christian faith and growing the church. Absolutely. And I love the Christian standard and I could talk about it forever. But this episode, I actually want to, Kevin and I both, we want to talk to you more about small groups. So um, talk to us about your involvement in small groups and small group leadership, Mike. Sure. I, you know, the, the first time I got into a small group was back in 1988 and it was life-changing. It, I mean, it, I, I got into a small group as a brand new Christian. I actually started in a small group before I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they, they really helped me make life-changing uh, decisions. And ever since I've been in a small group and I, I got involved in small group ministry because I saw how life-changing they were for me. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's nothing magical about a small group itself, like as a program. It's just that, that rela- those relationships that you can build with people, that, that, that environment that you can build with people that really helps us to grow in our relationship with God and to reach out to other people as well. So, yes, I've been involved as a small groups minister in churches. Uh, I started a ministry way back called smallgroups.com, which um, is now owned by Christianity Today, and it's huge, uh, and it's doing really well. I, I'm not really involved with it anymore, but I founded that back in uh, the late, what, 1990s, like 1996, mm-hmm. and uh, well, like when when most people were like still doing dial up modems, you know, so that's how long ago we did that. And uh, I've been involved in a variety of different uh, other kinds of small group ministries. I've written books about small groups and discipleship uh, magazine articles and everything else. I guess I, you know, just sort of a small group junkie. Mike with that, you know, being one who's got not only so much experience, both in a small group, in small group ministry, researching and writing and publishing to, to help resource small groups. Let's talk about the outreach side for just a moment. Why, why are successful small groups in your mind so important to the advancement of the gospel and to evangelism? I, I, I believe, and I, I just use this word, they're, 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 in, in, they're an environment where we can uh, first of all, grow, and, and, and I don't mean first of all, but they're an environment where we can grow people as disciples of Jesus. Uh, so 
the environment is there. I, I'd rather sometimes even say ecosystem because mm -hmm. everything in life needs an ecosystem or an environment where it grows. I think a simple example of a tree, a tree needs an environment. You think of all the things that a tree needs in its, in its environment, in its environment in order to grow. It needs the soil, it needs the air, it needs the sunlight for photosynthesis, you know, all of those things. And in an effective, healthy, small group, you also get all those things that you need in order to grow in your relationship with Christ. Those people who are growing in their relationship with Christ as disciples of Christ, part of where they need to grow is growing in reaching out to their friends and neighbors. I don't believe a small group should be an either or kind of thing, like all outreach or all like community building. And sometimes you'll find ineffective kind of unhealthy small groups that are going too far in one or the other of those directions. They all should be both because the Great Commission is given to the church and small mm -hmm. groups are part of the church. And the Great Commission is go and make disciples mm -hmm. of Jesus, right? Go and make disciples of Jesus. That's the first part of discipleship, mm -hmm. baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what? Teaching them to obey everything that Christ has, has given to us. So it's, it's a both and kind of thing. So effective, healthy small groups are doing both. When you think about small groups and both evangelism and discipleship, um, you know, so, some people start groups, things kind of peter out. Maybe they go for a while and then uh, the enthusiasm wears down. How, how does commitment relate to success when it comes to effective small groups? Uh, the example I like to think of here is Jesus in his small group. Did you know that Jesus led a small group? And he, <laughs> yeah, so, and yeah, he, it may have only been a three-year small group, but what did Jesus always ask for up front? Commitment. You know, he talked mm -hmm. about the cost of following him. And so commitment is, is a big deal for a small group to continue. Now, Commitment has both its light side and its dark side, right? So we want people to be committed, but there is there can be a dark side of that where people are forced, you know, to be committed or committed to certain kinds of things or uh, somebody who takes a leadership stance of trying to push things on on people, and sure. it shouldn't be that way, right? So. Um, but I talk a lot about healthy small groups. I'll do just a, a quick little pitch here for a book that I wrote called Small Group Vital Signs, and it's seven indicators of health that make groups flourish. So give us that name again. It's Small Group Vital Signs, seven indicators of health that make groups flourish. It was published by um, Touch Publications. And uh, so I, I, I came up, I'll give you a quick story behind the book because I think it's helpful. I was asked by the senior minister of our church a number of years ago in the church that I was uh, the small groups minister of here in Louisville, Kentucky, Northeast Christian Church. And he came to me one time and said, hey, Mike, are our small groups healthy? And I'm like, well, yeah, sure they are. 
and I could tell him all kinds of great stories about groups that were healthy. And he said, no, I want stats. I want you to prove to me that our groups are healthy. Mm. Now, well, how do I do that? So we developed a survey and I was like, what, what, how would we even survey our groups to find out if they're healthy or not? What does that even mean? So I had to kind of come up with biblical, call them vital signs of what a healthy group is. So I came up with these, these seven healthy signs. You want, to, you want me to go through them real quick? Yeah, I would love it if you would. So vital sign number one is a healthy group is a Christ-centered community, a Christ-centered community. So it all starts there. It, it, it yes. forms around Christ, not around a leader. It, it forms around a leader whose heart is in Christ. So the group has to be a Christ-centered community. Vital sign number two is a healthy group has a healthy, overflowing leader. That's critical. Mm -hmm. uh, healthy uh, uh, Vital sign number three is a healthy group shares leadership with a core team. That's one that most people don't think of, but in anything that's really healthy, you share leadership with a few other people. And even Jesus did that, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, he had a core team of Peter, John, and James. Uh, vital sign number four, a healthy group has proactive leadership. Uh, five, a healthy group lives in authentic community. Six, a healthy group ministers to others. See, that's both sides of that, community and ministering outside of itself, inward right. and outward. And then number seven, a healthy group is a discipling environment. And mm. it's not a mistake that the discipling environment is number seven, not because it's least important, but because everything else leads up to it being a discipling environment. That's really good. I never thought of the sharing leadership. I think that's something I, I never would have thought of that. And I think you're exactly right about that. So leaders burn out and groups burn out most of the time because the leader is not sharing leadership. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it comes down to that. And boy, my, that, see, that oh, seems, seems to make perfect sense. You know, that's true of a church as a whole. Yep. So boy, you can certainly see, of course, that would be true in a small group. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mike, um, could you explain why you think Christian discipleship works best in small groups? Yeah, and I've been touching on that. Um, it, it's that, that whole environment ecosystem thing that I was right. talking about. So we're all familiar with the one another's in the Bible, right? So it's when, when we're carrying out those one another's love, one another, carry each other's burdens, um, build one another up, spur one another on to good deeds, all of those confess your sins to one another. Some are easier than others, right? But those create an environment where people can grow. It's also the environment with where our spiritual gifts that God gave us work, and they work together. Right. And so a, a healthy small group, again, small groups themselves are no, you know, magic formula or anything like that. There is no such thing, but they're an environment where God can work. He can plant the seeds and, and growth can happen through that. So you have to build that environment. Mike, let me ask you this, because I'm sure a lot of people are, are listening to this and they're, they're wondering, how do we 
how do we increase involvement in our small groups? You know, a lot of churches out there where, you know, it might be a sizable church with a small percentage. What would you recommend to church leaders um, or people involved in the ministry, things that they can do to kind of increase that commitment within the body? Okay, do you want the hard, uh, kind of a long road way, which I believe is the right way, or do you want the easy, quick way? <laughs> Listen, we're all about tough things here, dealing with hard issues. You give us the hard way. Some, sometimes you have to do both at the same time, and yes, that's what I had go. to do. So the easy, quick way is there's all kinds of things that a lot of churches have done to like get people into small groups. Um, the most important thing, though, is that whoever is preaching the message, first of all, has to be in a group. That's that's critical. And then because because that person is in a group, then he can share stories of things that have, have happened in his group. And there is nothing that works better to get people into groups than that preaching minister saying, hey, let me tell you a story about what happened in my group last week. And telling mm-hmm. these great stories of life change, of course, people are going to want to be a part of that. So then it just becomes, it has to become part of the DNA of the church. So no matter how you're getting people into groups, whether through sign-up sheets or, you know, big, like where we're going to try to get 90% of our people into small groups at one time, or the slower, more grueling way, which I think really in the long run works better is you start one group, like a, a turbo group. Mm-hmm. And that group basically has all the DNA in it that you want for a healthy small group. And that, that group, everybody in that group is going to step out at some point in time and go lead a group themselves. So all of those vital signs I talked about before, you practice those in that very first group. Then they go out and they reproduce. Then those groups do the same thing and they reproduce. And then that just continues on over multiple generations of groups. So that reproduction requires some in that initial group where the original DNA is found to kind of step out of that group and create groups. Yeah. I mean, reproduction, multiplication is a part of uh, our faith. It really is a part of who we are. We're we're called in Genesis, you know, to increase in number, to multiply. And mm-hmm. that that carries on throughout everything. Um, it's what we're supposed to do. So groups, the biggest um, problem, I, I don't even want to say problem, but People sometimes don't want to do that because they say, I found this great group and I don't want to leave it. Well, imagine if the the apostles, Jesus' apostles would have said that. You know, imagine (laughs) if, if, um, you know, a a family never, like a a son or a daughter just said, you know, I I love this small group that I'm in, this family unit that I'm in. I don't ever want to leave. And they never do. That's just, that's unnatural. So really the natural thing ought to be that we reproduce ourselves and we need to move back toward that. Mm. Do you have any uh, suggestions on how to do that? Is there like a five-step program or is it just like suck it up and do it? So remember when I said, 
talked about sharing leadership, Megan. Yeah. That's that's the secret. So you gotcha. so so what happens is you share leadership with two or three other people. And I say when I say share leadership, really what I'm talking about is sharing the discipleship and um the the shepherding role. So the leader of the group is going to the 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 three people he's going to focus on are the people in that core team. Then each people person in that core team, they're going to be discipling and shepherding a few other people in the group so that everybody's being cared for. Truthfully, one person, like one leader, can't really care for a group of 12 people. It's right. impossible. Really, mm-hmm. when you think about it, that's impossible. But yeah. one person can care for, like being calling and loving on and visiting and praying for two or three other people. And mm-hmm. so that's the model for it. As the group grows, then you start to subgroup during the group time. And each of those core team members kind of goes off with the, with their group and they do some, you know, application together. Or they pray together. Eventually, it's just very natural that they just step out and they start their own group. Huh. Mike, I, one of the things I've observed th- through the years is in, in most churches that I've been a part of, there's a discussion between models you know, a knowledge-based, study-based versus a fellowship, more social gathering or relational model. Can you talk to those differences and and what in your mind is is the healthiest, if there is one? Is there one to be preferred over the other or is it a balance? So let me, I'm going to try to answer that. I, I hear two questions there in my brain. So the first is just talking about models in general. Be very careful when you're setting up a small group ministry uh, about taking somebody else's model and implementing it in your church. The Mm. reason that model works in that other church is because they did the hard work of figuring out what would work in their church. And it may not, in fact, it probably will not work in your church. So be smart and look at other models but then come up with a model that's going to work in your church. Mm. So that's the first thing about models. Um, as far as either a knowledge-based model or more of a community-based model, and you could throw some other things into, into this as well, say a discipleship model or a serving model. I don't mm-hmm. think it's either or. It's the beauty of the and. I think a healthy group is involved in all of those things. Uh, and there's rhythms to that. You might be, you might take some time as a group and really do some knowledge-based Bible study because the people in your group need that right now. Yes. But don't stay there too long, because you you know you take that knowledge and now use it. Go out and serve people. Go mm-hmm. out and do some very simple serving projects if you need to. That just your small group has been built to do. God built your small group. He had just the right people for your group in mind when he put it together, whether you think you had something to do with that or not. And so, (laughs) so he gave you all the gifts you need to go out and serve other people or to go out and share your faith with other people and invite other people into your group. So there's a rhythm to that. And you figure out that rhythm as the leader and the core team pray, seek God's guidance, and then talk with one another. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, you're kind of describing something too, where the the small group is where you are living out your faith together with others in that larger community. Yeah, and kind- that's what the church is meant to be. In a small group, is a smaller version of the church. In fact, it is church. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to use the word church in the New Testament way, it is church. In fact, a lot of uh, of groups that were identified as church in the New Testament were meeting in homes, and they probably weren't all that big. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they weren't thousands for sure. So, I, you know, a small group is is church. <laughs> it may not yes. be the church or a church, but it's church. It's a gathering of people who are Christ followers who are coming together to carry out Jesus' commands. That's what they're meant to do. I actually had a friend, and they called their uh, small groups house church. Yeah, there are versions. There are different versions of small groups. Some are actually house churches, um, but they don't have to be. They don't. I mean, they can be a a smaller unit of a larger church, of course. Sure. Mike, there's a lot of discussion out there about um, whether groups are open or closed special focus groups. We've talked a little bit about models, but could you speak to those issues too? I mean, once a group gets started, is it good for it to be open ongoing or should it be closed until it replicates itself and starts a new one? How do churches approach those issues well? I'm generally a proponent for open groups, but generally speaking, there are certain types of groups that should be closed, maybe even must be closed you know a you know there are there are groups that where there are heavy issues being discussed that need to be closed at least for a season and then they can mm-hmm. open up for a while and then close back again open up to bring new people in or maybe multiply or whatever needs to happen but i'm a proponent in general for groups where you're always inviting new people in and they kind of join you for the ride and then, you know, they they kind of join in that community and that discipleship that's happening in that group. And eventually they're going to step out and help start a new group somewhere. That's, that's my preference. But I realize that there are times where a group might say, hey, we're, we're some of the couples in our group or some of the people in our group are going through some really heavy stuff right now and we're going to close. Now, here's here's another beauty of that core team model that I talked about. Um, here's something that people don't realize. Uh, everything that happens with a group doesn't have to happen in a meeting. So the meeting can be open, but that doesn't mean that the group members can't get together outside of the meeting night right. and discuss those heavier things. Uh, they could meet at another time. They can do a, a, a group phone call. They can do all kinds of things. Uh, I went to a small group um, many, many years ago now, and they had a meeting after the meeting. So the, the meeting itself was open for anybody who wanted to be there. And I was one of those new people. But I realized that some of the people sort of went into another room and they left a couple people in the main room with me talking to me and a couple other people who were new, but they went into another room and they were 
I, I asked later to find out what was going on. And they, but that's what they were doing. They were having their insider conversations that they needed to have. And I think yes. that's a good model. That's a, that's a good insight. Could you, let's say somebody um, is listening and they're wanting to start small groups or revamp or refresh. Could you share some resources with our audience members um, who are interested in learning more? Yeah, there, there are so many uh, really good resources out there that, you know, by other people other than me. I mean, you, you can look at my website, uh, smallgroupleadership.com and see the stuff that I've written. But uh, I've, I've written some things that I think are good resources. But uh, on my website, I also there's there's a place where you can go on there and look up other resources. There's such a huge conglomeration of small group resources out there that it's hard to just pick one. Sure. Um, I have a couple of favorite writers, but I'm not even going to mention their names because it all depends on where you're entering in. Like if you've been doing small mm. groups for a while, I would, I would talk about one person. If, if, if this is all brand new, I would probably talk about somebody else. Um, I, you know, I'm open to people, you know, asking me questions and talking about this. And again, there's a contact form on my website on smallgroupleadership.com or through Christianity or through uh, christianstandard.com. I don't care, you know, but you can contact me and I'd be glad to talk through some of those issues with you as well. Um, one of the, one of the resources that we do have on christianstandard.com is that, um, weekly Bible study that we do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that study is actually written for groups that want to grow and disciple people and multiply. Uh, so it's specifically written for groups that want to do that. And uh, it's, it's somewhat in-depth Bible study, but anybody could lead one of these groups. And so I would look at that uh, as well. That's a great resource. And where can they find that at? It's on our website at christianstandard.com. And if you go about two thirds to maybe three fourths of the way down the page, you'll see uh, Bible study materials there. And and Mike, you mentioned another website of your smallgroupleadership.com. Right. That's that's another website that I started. And it basically is sort of my blog site. But I've got a variety of other resources on there, ways to contact me. And there is um, there's actually a little bookstore on there and so forth if you're looking for other resources. So some of the books you've written and, and resources you publish can be found there as well. Yeah, the, the ones that I've written can be found there as well as some of my friends who have written books and other kinds of studies and resources. I've put those on there as well, like the ones that I, are some of my favorites. Well, Mike, it has been just a, a great privilege to be with you and an honor. And I know it's blessed our listeners because if they were with us last podcast, they learned a lot about uh, not only the Christian standard and its history and uh, its, its present uh, usefulness and all the resources that are there. So they've gained some things there that we really believe will help them in both their personal spiritual growth, their ministry life. We love to think of 
people from different streams of the movement being blessed by this resource, the Christian standard. And then the small group discussion has been so practical and so helpful. Um, again, I want to say to our listeners, check out christianstandard.com, christianstandardmedia.com, uh, go to smallgroupleadership.com, and you're going to have some good resources in all those places. Mike, Megan, and I always close with a question that is very important. You know, we're about unity, and our our motto is unity begins with a cup of coffee, getting with somebody and just sitting down and having coffee and start building that relationship. So we always end our podcast with someone with this very heavy, important question. I hope you're ready for it. If we were to sit down with you and have a cup of coffee, how do you take your coffee? <laughs> it's Yes, I. Is, so are we talk, Are we talking like at home or at Starbucks or, or what? You know, we're open to both. We would love to come by your house and sit down out on your patio and have coffee, or at a Starbucks. So if it's different, give us both. So we, uh, my family, my wife and I just uh, got a Keurig a little while ago. So we like the little Keurig pods, and so I'm a. I, I I just do regular Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and I put a little sugar-free creamer in there. Ooh, okay. That's that's I know that's pretty basic living, stuff, but living on the edge. There. That's 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 me. Yeah. I, so I'm a type one diabetic, so I got to go with the sugar-free stuff. Yeah, but uh, and at Star Starbucks, I do a venti. Let's see if I can get this right. A venti, sugar-free cinnamon dolce latte. Yeah, Ooh, that, that sounds, sounds exotic. Good. It is good. Good stuff. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Mike, thank you so much for coming on for this second episode of um, Conversation with You. Kevin, as always, it's wonderful um, co-hosting with you. Of course, always a blessing, Megan, to be with you. Okay, and guys, if you have not subscribed yet, hit that subscribe button so that way we are in your podcast folder ready for you um, the day that we release. Mike, do you have anything else for the people? No, it's it's been a real pleasure talking with you guys. Thanks so oh. much, Kevin. Thanks, Megan. My pleasure's been ours. Absolutely. And I'll be looking for your article uh, this upcoming week, Megan. Yeah, absolutely. You'll have it tomorrow. To, to our listeners, Megan's on a deadline here. She owes Mike an article for the Christian Standard. I do. I do. Hey, you everybody. Called me out, man. <laughs> called out on the air. I love it. Yeah. Everybody join us next week for a fresh podcast and a new conversation. Thanks for being with us. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.